Entertainment, education, some adjectives to be named later. Domestown proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts, Trek West 5, Joey, Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 179. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Isn't this podcast 180? Mm, I don't think so. You wanna, we're, all right, we're going to take a minute. We're going to do a double check of podcast numbering here. Podcast 179 is already live on our website. Jeez. <laughs> I do not know what podcast number I emailed out to everybody then. Oh, I, I didn't even look at that. Uh, so, um, wait, you didn't even look at it. I didn't look for the... Oh, the subject line. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was going to say, how did you figure out the, what the top, top five. five was? <laughs> that is a magical, magical skill you have. Uh, okay, let's try 180. 180. Um, so, uh, 20 away from 200. So, that's going to be a special event sometime in um, uh, maybe April of next year by the time we get around to <laughs> recording everything. Uh, so, uh, welcome back. Uh, Joey, any fancy news for you? Looks like John Swallow's going to retire. Has he yet? I, I hadn't oh, heard what? that he did. Retire or retire. step down? Sorry, step down. Yeah, I heard he had already done that yesterday. So That was the report I heard yesterday. He did not officially do it as of last night. I haven't seen any news today whether he did or not. Right. That For those people who don't know, John Swallow is the Attorney General, um, also known as the Top Cop um, within the state of Utah. And uh, his, <laughs> his uh, term has been fraught with scandal. First off uh, was uh, a person claiming that John Swallow um, essentially said, hey, pay me money and I'll make sure the Attorney General's office looks the other way for you. Uh, that has basically been downplayed to the extent that the the federal government isn't going after him. Like the FBI, there's they say, no, there's no case here for that. We're not going to proceed against it. But uh, in the midst of everything, apparently it came out that there was campaign finance campaign finance malfeasance um so funny business going on with the money and uh clearly against the law and uh he broke it and it's it's been found out now so he is stepping down i'm you know i want i want to be clear the federal government did not say there was no case there for them to pursue no what the federal government says it said is we don't think we can win this case if it comes to court okay good distinction Clearly not absolving of anything, right. just saying it's not clear enough to us. Um, to feel like it would be a strong right. win, and therefore it's not worth us to pursue it. Mm. So he's guilty of everything. <laughs> he stole the Lindbergh baby. Um. Anyway, uh, it's great because he I don't think you and I baby. liked him. Uh, I, I was not very fond of some of the things that he's done. I don't. I don't know him at a personal level to say I don't like him. 
I, I do, certainly didn't care for him in the role of attorney general. <laughs> I wasn't coming. <laughs> uh, All right, know, I'll be more specific next time with Pete, you. <laughs> I, I am an elected official. I have to be clear in what I say. <laughs> no one's listening. <laughs> um okay so that uh yeah that's that's fun goings on for utah uh it's gonna be interesting to see what happens because uh you know we've got to get a new attorney general and uh what's what's the steps that gonna happen for that i'm sure joey will probably have some future um uh, uh, adventures in republican to discuss uh what's going on um i don't really have anything magical to talk about uh so i guess we could go into mm-hmm. facebook find of the week okay no emails uh we did get some emails um but nothing that needs to be up front i suppose we could do this up front it's good time as any might, might as well um so emails from podcast 179 Not this 179, but the previous 179. Seriously? Nothing? We're at 180. I don't know what you want from me. (laughs) That that would be... To keep correcting you? That would be a joke. (laughs) Yeah. He was looking down, not not paying attention to what I was saying. I heard you say it. I thought, I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. John Leindecker. emailed in haven't heard from him for a while he says hey guys just a quick note on your latest podcast covering razor in the flashbacks adama uh, of adama they are calling him husker not oscar okay i heard oscar (laughs) i I do you heard oscar as well okay uh clearly we were listening wrong um he continues husker is his call sign and fighter pilot's quite often use their call signs in lieu of a name so it is uh his like we also have apollo and starbuck at all uh john yeah thanks for clearing that up um i just assumed that oscar was his call sign i it seemed weird that's why i had trouble with it because i couldn't remember what his call sign was but i was like i'm pretty sure it wasn't oscar and it really sounded like they were because we we see it written on the side of a viper Earlier in the series, when they like, when he's like, "Oh yeah, this is my old Viper." And one of the really, it, it may have been the miniseries. I don't remember that, or I don't know. I, I swear we saw it at one point where he's like, "Oh yeah, the, you know, this is in memoriam of of Bill Adama," and it had his call sign written on the side of the Viper, and I couldn't remember what it was, but I was so sure they were saying Oscar. I was like, I was really confused by that. Uh yeah, you were right to be confused because I heard Oscar as well. Uh, we have another email uh, from John Leindecker. Boy, we've heard a lot from him lately. <laughs> he says, hey guys, second quick note. In 28 plus years in the Air Force, I've never heard a female officer intentionally addressed as sir. Okay. So definitive. Yeah. Um, so call them ma'am, I guess. Yes, ma'am. I guess. I'm not in the military, so what does it matter? Um, from JD, Pete, I'm getting a new email account, so you'll have to change it in your contact so I can keep getting these lovely (laughs) TrekWest 5 emails after this E address goes away. Um, I suppose it could be Joey who's reading this instead of Pete, but come on, 
Joey isn't as attentive or caring for the listeners. <laughs> and really, Aaron isn't the intern who does things for the podcast host so they don't have to. JD. Uh, funny, very funny, JD. And a good um, point about Aaron. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this next email is from the Duke, uh, my buddy Sean. And it is quite lengthy. So he wrote in, um, he gave us a top five. Okay. And uh, so I'll just jump in here. He says, I assume that the intent is to find the top five team sports. I will do my best. However, I traditionally have found that a slightly aloof demeanor has marked me as sometimes particularly difficult to include in serious team sports. This rarely ever stops me, but it does diminish the level of enjoyment I have from time to time. Uh, knowing Sean the way that I do, totally know exactly what he's talking about there. Okay. Um, and no, we weren't specifically saying team sports. Just Yeah, I said chess. Yeah. Not not typically a team sport, <laughs> although I suppose it could be. I would love to see team chess played. <laughs> like, everybody gets one piece. <laughs> Oh, that would be uh, an intricate like tagging in system to be like, oh, okay, I know which move to make next instead of like just talking amongst each other as a group. Sure, yeah, yeah, that would oh, that would make the strategy so interesting. Yeah, you'd have people who specialize in 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 end game, people who specialize in the middle game, people who specialize in the open book. Yeah, but usually you're like you're going for a particular strategy, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I totally know what I'm going to do here. And then the next guy up is like, oh, come on, man, seriously, you, <laughs> why would you do that? We totally had this other strategy set up. That would be funny. Here's a new variant of chess: switch sides of the board every five moves. <laughs> you want to um, play strong so that you can win, but not too strong so that you give the other guy a winning hand. That sounds worse than what chess already is, and that's tough to beat. Uh, his list, number five, Russian roulette. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that a sport? I, I guess. Quite a rousing little distraction that I picked up during my time overseas. Over the years, I have been able to enjoy the game with many acquaintances, particularly up until quite recently, my friend, Mr. New, uh, Mr. Wynn. Rest in peace. <laughs> he didn't make it. Apparently not. Number four, air hockey. While I may not look like it at first glance, I am quite good at air hockey. Uh what, 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 what does someone who's good at air hockey look like? Like Popeye forearms or something yeah, like that? Maybe they, maybe they look like uh, the guy in the the movie Lady in the Water, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, where he had the one arm that was really, really strong and the other arm was just normal sized. Uh, the, uh, the, who was the director that made that? M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> Sh- Shyamalan? Yeah. Sh- uh-huh. I- I've heard it mm. so many ways, Pete. In fact, I heard it on... <laughs> you can't have heard it. <laughs> you heard it or something. <laughs> it was... Uh, it- I think it was CBS <laughs> News that called him M. Night Shyamalama. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know that one's wrong. Uh, no. All the rest of them... <laughs> Could very well be right, but pretty sure I, well, it's not I'm, I'm questioning you because you you clearly got Husker wrong, so maybe you're just listening wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. Shyamalan. 
M. Night Shyamalan. Okay, there's more letters than that in the name, but okay. That, that is the correct way to pronounce it. Uh, by the way, I, I have not seen that movie, but I know that there is a guy. He makes his rounds uh, via the internet uh, from time to time as people take pictures of him. He is a... Um, uh, uh, um, oh, arm wrestler? Arm wrestler. And one arm ridiculously huge <laughs> muscled out like you would not believe the other looks like john's arm yeah it just so same, i don't know if it's the same it's guy the same, same visual at least yeah he's a real thing so that's not movie makeup potentially um continuing on he says i have been undefeated for at least the past 12 years wow while that might not seem like too much of an accomplishment, I mean, how many times do you play air hockey? My family owned an air hockey table and had constant competitions all aimed at establishing dominance, which I have done continuously and without relent. Number three, soccer. It has been years since I played, and I was never terribly good to begin with, but soccer has always been at the center of my fondest sports memories. I was able to play on my high school team from my freshman year, and believe it or not, was the team captain my senior year. Hmm. I was able to lead our team to a o, <laughs> an O and ten and zero season <laughs> that year. <laughs> Excellent leadership skills. I think we even held one of the teams we played to only a three point victory. Great success. <laughs> Number two badminton admittedly this is based on the same criteria that number four was chosen on i freaking rock at badminton however it was not always known to my family as birdie much like air hockey there was a particular interest in establishing the alpha badminton er invariably that person is me remaining undefeated at solo play for at least the last 13 years Number one, snowboarding. So I did my best to keep the list to team sports, but as you might have noticed, I am kind of lacking in that area. I have played pretty much everything over the course of my life and honestly have found it difficult to remain serious enough to finish an entire game at any functional level of competitiveness. As stated before, this really does get people to be angry with me. Not that I play terrible on purpose, but snarky remarks aren't always appreciated when people's egos are on the line. So, from a young age, I have taken to solo bursts, uh, pursuits as I find them more rewarding. I started snowboarding in sixth grade and have spent many snow wow. days at the mountain. It remains the sport I am most talented at, which doesn't say much for my talents in all other aspects. <laughs> A uh, good list, uh, Sean, so thank you for uh, taking the time to write that in. Um, I question the Russian roulette one, and you find an air hockey table. I would like to challenge you, <laughs> uh, because I love our air hockey. It's always been a fun, uh, um, dare I call it a sport? Game. Game is what I would have probably classed it as. Uh, I can't even beat my eight-year-old daughter at air hockey, so I'm I'm not going to be challenging anyone anytime soon. <laughs> wow. 
Uh, he continues on with his email uh, about Razor. He says, I watched Razor back before the start of the third season, so I can't remember it entirely. I had a hard time remaining focused on the episodes. I must admit, I am falling in the camp of Joey as I am a little tired of BSG and starting to look forward to the end. However, I really did enjoy the relationship between Admiral Kane and Pegasus 6. Is that what we're calling her? It gave uh, it gave so much more emotion behind the assassination. Not to mention an explanation as to why Kane was the only person that she killed during her great escape. I always thought it weird that she would risk so much only to kill one person. Great way to blur the lines as to how human we might think of the models. Would a machine really be capable of a need for revenge? An excellent thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm glad uh, glad that you brought that up. Uh, everybody, thanks for uh, emailing in on uh, podcast 179. the uh, The truth is, all of these came in Saturday uh, morning um, or pre- after that. So, oops, sorry, that was our fault. <laughs> But just this the, just this just shows our dedication. We'll read your email, yeah, even if it's a week late, on our fault. Okay, so I had an email uh, from my friend Melissa, uh, good friend, and she says, "Hi Pete, I appreciate you including me on your distribution list all these years, but I don't have much free time for podcasts these days. If you don't mind taking me off your list, I'd appreciate it." <laughs> Melissa, rejected. So, Melissa, <laughs> you bet. <laughs> Uh, not, not that she'll ever hear this because she's too busy to listen. I I don't know that she was ever listening. Okay. I, I feel like she may have listened a few times um, for West Wing podcast because she was a huge West Wing fan. Um, and we we used to watch the West Wing together. Okay. Um, and she uh, got busy and also doesn't care for science fiction, I don't think. So the the rest of this podcast really just probably wasn't that <laughs> enticing for her. We did Sherlock and Studio 60. That's that's true. We did. We did. Um Why can't you love me? I, I, <laughs> Melissa, why can't you love Joey? What's wrong with you? Uh all right. Uh that is the emails. Facebook find of the week is going to go to Fishhead. Okay. Uh, for his link that he posted up, uh, A Journey Through Middle Earth. It's a Hobbit thing that uh, has been put out. It's a, a website. I didn't play around with it, you know, a ton, but, you know, it's stuff from the movie and you can, you know, you essentially slide through all the different stuff. There's audio things that are happening. It's very, very cool um, to see. So I I, mean, I don't know who created it. I would imagine... You know, whoever was in charge of the the Hobbit movies had something to do with it. Um, But uh, it was very, very cool to see all of that put together. Loads of fun. So, uh, Fishhead, congratulations. You will continue to not receive an award. Excellent. Um, Let's see here. Let me just do one last check. Uh, We were hoping Brainy was going to send something in this week. Um, We're recording a little earlier, but that's okay. Uh, We haven't seen anything from him yet, so uh, maybe... Um, we'll, we'll slap it in later. Um, so our top five this week is a top five Thanksgiving day foods. 
Um, and I was about to choose your top five sports to play. Wait. We already did that. Top five sports to watch. Watch. Okay. Um, but then I was like, oh my gosh, this is like right next to Thanksgiving. Um, so this seems like we, we got to do it now. Uh, listener Fishhead sent in his list. And okay. Um, number five. Some versions of sweet potatoes. It is the only time of year they are prepared and I eat them. This year, I found a recipe that uses coconut that I'm going to have to try. So, okay. Uh, number four, turkey prepared with my grandfather Tucker's turkey spices. He includes a link to where you can get that recipe. And which are sometimes available to purchase at one or two Davis County grocery stores. Wow. So, um, number three, pumpkin pie most some are not so good number two mashed potatoes okay number one stuffing honorable mention birthday cake or pie of my choice my birthday falls on thanksgiving once every several years enjoy your thanksgiving uh dean thank you very much for the email uh it's a good list um, let's see here. Um, listener M. Okay. Has a list. Hooray. There will be a new recording to listen to during the holiday week. You are both awesome. In this top, is this top five list appropriate for an international show? Anyway, I mostly don't stray too far from the standard dishes. I just want to address that. Um, the international listeners that we do have, they're well aware of Thanksgiving. And in the case of Bob and SpongeBob, um, they, uh, uh, SpongeBob is a Native American. Can I say that? <laughs> Don't I get to say that? I think you can say that. I think I can say that. <laughs> Legitimately, I think she can be called a Native American. Yeah, she came yeah. from America and she's over in another country. That's I think that's the way she should start addressing herself. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. That's me. That's me. Um, so she knows all about it. I'm maybe she even does something with her kids, although I'm not sure what they would do. I don't know. Who knows? Number five, stuffing, especially when cooked in the bird. Um, I don't know if uh, you what your family does, Joey, but my mother used to cook it inside like i remember you know early thanksgiving morning coming down and helping to literally stuff the turkey with the stuffing um and she stopped that practice after a while she went to putting it in an aluminum foil then sticking it inside the bird and then she just i think she just bakes it separately now because all of the um you know People out there on the uh, cooking channels say, no, no, don't cook it inside, that you could kill everyone. Yeah. Uh, which is possible, it's true, but none of us died. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, so, what did you guys do stuffing? I, I've never inside? had stuffing inside the turkey. No? It's tasty. Um, okay. Does, does it significantly change the flavor of the stuffing? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't think so. I I can't see how it would augment it or make it 
you know taste any different um but the only thing i can think of is if maybe the the fat from the turkey might render down into the stuffing somehow i suppose it's possible but i i don't know i i've never actually cooked a turkey myself um I, i i don't know we need a cooking expert to come on here and clear this up for us I'll give, uh, I'll give Bobby Flay a call. <laughs> Listener M, number four, mashed potatoes. You guys do know you can have mashed potatoes at any other time of the year, right? Is there any food that you can only have at yes. Thanksgiving? <laughs> that ridiculous uh, uh, cranberry sauce that comes out of a can. Uh, number three, homemade dinner rolls. I'm not a fan of those because I've never seen them come out very well. I prefer just to buy the bagged kind. They're actually soft. Okay. Uh, you should. I should have Didi make them sometime when you come down for dinner. Uh, yeah, I'm, I would accept all sorts of free food. Number two, pie. My favorites are hot, cold, and round. Um, <laughs> that's great. That uh, I I like all of those pies as well. So does that imply that the other two are not round? It's hot but not round. What pies? He said his favorite kinds of pies are hot, cold, and round. Uh huh. So does that mean he's having hot pie that is not round? No. Okay. Because this is a a list separated by commas. Okay. So hot is one. Cold is one, round is one. Right, so the hot hot pie is not round, or it would be included in the round already. Mm, not necessarily. <laughs> and the round pie must be served lukewarm. <laughs> could be. Uh, here's the thing. Pie could also be square. There yeah. are other things that uh, have the name pie that I've had in my life that were not round. I've had meat pies that weren't round. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shepherd's pies. pies. Ah, yes. Uh, I think you're missing out on some other um, shapes of pies okay. that you could be enjoying. My wife, when she makes shepherd's pie, she makes it round. Oh, okay. She uses a pie tin. <laughs> <laughs> She's really taking, taking hold of that pie part of that pretty strongly. I, I think it's just convenient. Does she put uh, whipped cream on it as well? No. Okay. She, she puts uh, mashed potatoes on top. Okay. His number one, ham. Sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I've totally. In fact, it was on my short list. It didn't make my top five, but okay. Feedback from last week. Pete was correct about ladder ball being the same as redneck horseshoes. Did you know that you can buy a set in stores for about $30 to $40, but you can buy the materials at Home Depot for about 5 <laughs> well, Somebody's got to put it together. Someone's got to market it, and they have to create a place uh, for you to be able to purchase it. So a lot of middlemen in there. Yep. Why is croquet so awesome, you ask? You need to learn to play the, quote, poison version where you not only have to make it through the course to win you need to quote kill your opponents after you make it through the course to get the win 
It is a fun game to play with friends on summer evenings. Um, it seems like he might have explained a little bit more about how one kills. Well, you've got a, a bat or a mallet. He did put it in quotes, <laughs> which makes me think not an actual yeah, yeah, killing. You just, you, all you have to do is knock them out. You don't actually have to kill them. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is not related to physical violence. Oh, I see. Could be wrong. I've I've been wrong before. Um, he closes. If you liked Razor, you will probably like the plan. That would be a great entremet between series. No idea what that word is. E n t r e m e t. Feel like that's French somehow. Yeah, I'm sure it probably entremet. Is. Um, Wouldn't it be May entre May? I, I, I don't know. I don't speak French. Oh, okay. I don't know. Stars has too much pressure. The, the only French I'm really confident in is a, a bad French pun, which is one egg is enough. Ha! Huh. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> um, the French uh, uh, phrase that most often comes to mind for me is, you're what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> from uh, Home Alone. Um, okay, Joey, what's uh, what's your top five Thanksgiving Day foods? Uh, number five is deep fried turkey. Never really cared for turkey until I had it deep fried because it always came out dry and kind of flavorless. Uh, when I had it deep fried, it was it was a lot of work and a lot of cost. So I've never done it twice. But uh, you know, ha- having done it once, I was like, yeah, that, that actually tasted good. And I'm sure chefs who worry a lot about the quality of the turkey that's coming out instead of just the quantity of turkey that's coming out. <laughs> Probably cook it like that. So, But for me, that deep-fried turkey, it had a lot of flavor. Really enjoyed it. Uh, special note to those people who want to uh, do a deep-fried turkey, but make sure it is frozen solid before putting it into the boiling oil. You need because you know no, that oil is just going to really get through there. You don't the want to advice. Have, it, it could have... It would, it's so, you just need it frozen. <laughs> Matter of fact, look up frozen turkey. Um, deep fry. Deep fry uh, in YouTube uh, to get some examples of how to do it. <laughs> Don't ever do that. Yeah. That, that is was, the worst idea terrible. ever. Although, look for those videos because they're hilarious they're if you have funny. not seen them. <laughs> Maybe this week we should find some of those, post one up each day. This week to the Facebook uh, wall to, uh, to you know. Sounds like a good task for the intern. <laughs> uh, you continue. Uh, number four is stuffing. My wife makes a homemade stuffing that I think is, is quite tasty. She's, mm. already, she's already been saving the bread for it for a couple weeks now. So Nice. Uh, number three is mashed potatoes and chicken noodles. So my wife also makes homemade chicken noodle soup. Or I don't know. It's not really soup. It's more like a stew, the way she makes it. Uh, she hand rolls the noodles and everything, and uh, and then we put that on top of the mashed potatoes. Interesting. Fantastic. To create like a little bowl inside yes. the mashed potatoes? Yep. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, and in fact, like every year we go down to her, parent, her family for uh, Thanksgiving, and it's gotten – they make so much of these noodles because that's the most popular dish in her family for Thanksgiving – uh, she has to make so much of it now that she has three gigantic pots that she she makes. It's like the biggest pot that they could find. Mm. They got three of them because they just couldn't make enough in one pot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
and now they have to go down to the school and rent out the school so that they have the the kitchen that's large Good enough Lord. to cook all this stuff. Oh my gosh. Uh, number two is baked yams. Now I don't like candied yams. I don't baked like, yams. Yeah, I, I like I like a yam that's just prepared like a baked potato. Skin on. Skin on. Yep. Mm. Mm. Now here's an interesting uh, question: yam or sweet potato? Because I've often heard what we as Americans call a yam is really actually a sweet potato, and somehow what we call a sweet potato is really actually a yam or some combination of whatever that is. I couldn't tell you the difference between them. All I know is what I got served and what I was told what I was told it was called. Do you know? I don't. You don't. I don't. I thought they it's just were whatever whatever Well, so the... they're definitely two different things. I know that. Okay. Uh, the thing that I when I when you say sweet potatoes what I think of is candied yams. Oh, okay. The can you know the uh-huh. marshmallow on top. I actually don't like that. I don't enjoy that at all. Uh, the I like to just get the sweet potato or yam, whatever it is, and <laughs> the starch thing. Yeah, the, have it have it baked, cut it open, put a little bit of butter and just a little tiny bit of brown sugar in there. Okay, okay, and then uh, my number one, which apparently Pete, you're going to have great disdain for, is cranberry sauce. No, oh. uh, especially the kind with the little pieces of cranberry inside of it, so it's got some texture to it. Uh, <laughs> I disagree. This can be eaten at any time of year, and I often do eat it at other times of year. Uh, Happy Fourth of July! Have some cranberries. No, no, no! Not, not even for holidays. It's just like you know, some people. O- hey, honey, open it's a, Tuesday. Yeah, time to get out the cranberry, cranberry sauce. sauce. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people do like a uh, fruit cocktail or something. I would rather have some cranberries. Okay. Uh, cranberry, in my opinion, is one of the best fruits we've got. I love it. I love the flavor. Is it the tartness? Yes. That you like yeah. so much? Yeah, okay. But uh, again, I like it pretty much plain. I don't like too much done it, to it. Is to there fancy a specific um, brand that Ocean you spray. buy? Ocean Spray. Ocean Spray in the can. Yep. See, I've had cranberry sauce before, and I've had I've seen different variations of it, even from a can. Um, none of them have ever tasted good. Not a one of them. Okay. But I like cranberry drink, like cranberry flavored whatever. Fantastic. I do enjoy that. Um, but the, um, the, the things that I've seen because I pay attention to the food network, um, is the, what they have or what they do now, which is like, hey, let me teach you how to make your own cranberry sauce with fresh cranberries. That seems like I could maybe get behind something like that, but it seems like an awful lot of work. That's what I was going to say. I, I would, lo- I love it in concept. It does sound like it's a lot of work to get done. And, I, and I'm fine with I don't like the ones with the whole cranberries, and I don't like the one that's just the jelly. I, I like the one that's got the pieces of cranberries mixed into the jelly. So right. that's, that's where I'm at. Okay, okay. Good list. Um, let's see here. I have an honorable mention uh, to start my list off. Turkey. Turkey. <laughs> uh, number five is going to be gravy. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's in its own dish. Um, granted, it's usually augmenting one's mashed potatoes. But uh, I don't get that wild about mashed potatoes because... 
I don't know. They're, they're I, I feel like the great. way you're saying mashed potatoes, you need to be wearing a monocle right now. <laughs> <laughs> mashed potatoes. Um, yeah, so I like the gravy a lot more because that's where the real flavor is. You, Come on. Uh, brown gravy, chicken gravy, um, turkey gravy. I, I would imagine it's turkey gravy. Okay. Because mom makes gravy. <laughs> With the drippings from the turkey. <laughs> yes. Well, and uh, drippings is a polite way of saying all of the rendered fat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what she makes it from. So that that's that's the good stuff for me. Uh, number three. Four. Number four is going to be candied yams. Now, what you mentioned as candied yams, I also hate. Okay. I find mushro- uh, mushrooms. Marshmallow. Marshmallow to be disgusting. Okay. I really do not care for marshmallows. And when they put that on there and they brown lightly brown yeah. the top of it, I'm like, what the what did you just do? <laughs> you made something inedible even more inedible. But the way mom has done it for years is it's it's brown sugar. It's and she is candying them suckers. So they they sit in this brown sugar bubbly goo that, you know, she just keeps flipping them over and over and over again and the, the brown sugar seeps through. It is so good. That's the only way that I'm eating yams or sweet potatoes, whatever it is that they're, they actually are. Number three. Ooh, this is tough. Number three, I'm going to go with... Uh, chili cheese fries. <laughs> I, you can only have those on Thanksgiving? I... <laughs> they, while not the traditional Thanksgiving Day meal, um, because I basically live, well, I don't live away from family, I don't live near my parents, and I refuse to go to any of my other family members that are here in the state of Utah, I have for the last, what, 12 years, my Thanksgiving has been chili cheese fries. <laughs> that was my Thanksgiving dinner. Was chili cheese fries? Was it always chili cheese fries, or did, did, did I thought it started out as chili and you added the fries? No, no, oh, okay. no. chili is uh, what happens on uh, Christmas. Oh, my okay. chili. But chili that's, cheese that's fries, it has thinking. no bearing to that chili that I make. Not related at all. This is a can of um, Denison's chili. Frozen fries, cheese, and onions. Okay. And uh, you ever I, thought about mixing up the chili? N- mixing up the chili? A different brand of chili? No. Okay. No, I'm quite happy with uh, with that uh, choice. Um, yeah, been doing it for a while. Very, very happy. Going to be doing it this Thursday. <laughs> Number two is stuffing. Uh, I do love stuffing. I have. Every single time I've had it, I said, that was fantastic. Why don't I eat this more? <laughs> and it just is not served enough. Okay. Even though it's on the shelves year-round, it just is not served enough. And clearly, I'm too lazy to go and buy the, the stovetop uh, box off of the shelf. And, you know, it's probably it's like a five-minute deal or something. <laughs> uh, number one is pecan pie. Uh, while all sorts of pies are truly wonderful, my favorite is pecan, uh, just because it's pure syrup. It is caro syrup, uh, <laughs> with pecans on top. Really, let's be honest. Okay. Caro syrup 
and molasses and um, um, uh, brown sugar in there, and it's which is phenomenal, which is just sugar and molasses. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, I have made it before um, because my uh, uh, my parents back home, we actually had a, a few pecan trees. So I would harvest the pecans myself. I would, uh, you know, get them dried out, you know, in the in the uh, oven, and then I'd crack them and I would make the pie. So hmm. I I know how to do it. It's not a fun process. I pray I never have to do it again, but I sure do love the results. So pecans. Uh, what what what's the other nut that's popularly grown in in the area where you grew up? Walnuts. Okay. There there's so there there are many many others. So, oh, the one, uh, the, so almonds. Almonds. Okay. The the reason I was trying to get you to say it is because there were many people in the Stockton area when mm-hmm. I was out there that would say pecans and almonds. Oh yeah. Well, there are stupid people everywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted to. I just was curious. If almonds were... and almonds are the same. Just almonds had the L knocked out of them <laughs> when they came out of the tree. Uh, yeah, there, I had this uh, professor in college who was like, "Oh, almonds there! They just got the L knocked out of them," as though saying "hell," but like he says it so fast that it, you know, you're like, "Wait, what did you just say?" Um, it was his joke, and you always had to laugh at it because he was a nice guy. Uh, no, uh, almonds and pecans. Okay, pecans. Peckins? I've peckins. never heard. I have maybe never was, heard maybe peckins. Was, so I've always heard I've always said pecan. Maybe it was pecan. I don't know. Anyway, I just remember being out there and thinking, why do you all have different names for nuts? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're right. There are still stupid people out there who are pronouncing things weirdly, but eh, what are you going to do? Oh, I want to throw this out there. Uh speaking of Thanksgiving, uh my nephew John, who listens to the podcast occasionally, um, he told me this, I was chatting with him this week and he said, yeah, you know, what? I'm, we're not going, I'm not going to anybody's house this year for Thanksgiving because he got married a year and a half ago. And I was like, Hey, so, you know, which house do you have to go to this time? Um, and he's like, none, we're not going to any of them. We're done with Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. He's like, both my wife and I we don't really like the Thanksgiving food that is served. Interesting. We don't like it. So we're going to start eating foods we like. This year is going to be Thai food, and we're just <laughs> going to make our own. Uh, no, he said he's going to buy. There's a store that's open, um, okay. and uh, they will be getting their Thanksgiving um, from there. And it it was interesting uh, because it made me think of um, a, a Jay Leno um Tonight Show uh, conversation he had with somebody once, and he made the point of, you know, hey, I, I, I'm Italian. I, I come from Italian family. Like we had lasagna on okay. Thanksgiving, like that. You know, that that was just normal. There's turkey, then there's there's lasagna right next to it. <laughs> you know, that that was just the way we did things because you know we're Italian. So really, anything you know, there's there's no right or wrong thing. Sure. Like I know, I know the uh, the chicken noodle thing comes from my my wife's grandmother her maternal or her paternal grandmother who made them for years and years and years and as a young middle school student my wife would go over to her grandmother's house and her grandmother taught her how to make the noodles and then like 
very ceremoniously handed over the making of the <laughs> Thanksgiving noodles to my wife. Uh-huh. And, you know, she's she's now passed away many years ago. And uh, your, you know, your your wife's grandma, not your wife. Yep, the grandmother. Just, just to help other, other people <laughs> along there. And and now it's, I mean, I broached, I think it was about five or six years ago, I broached the idea to my in-laws that we may not be coming down for Thanksgiving and the uproar, the furor over the idea that they would not have their noodles from the official Sorensen family noodle maker uh-huh. was, I mean, it was outstanding, the amount of fury that came out in that conversation. So, yeah, you know, every family does, does something a little bit different. Indeed. Indeed. Joy's Culture Corner? Yeah. Uh, okay, so the Culture Corner this week is the book... 13 Things That Don't Make Sense. Uh, it's written by Michael Brooks. And it's just kind of a fun uh, pop physics book. So he, go, he goes over 13 things in science that we just can't explain. We don't know why they are the way they are. Uh, obviously, two of the big ones were dark matter and dark energy. Mm-hmm. And he goes into what it is that makes people, makes scientists think that these dark matter and dark energy exist. You know, they're out there. We can't see them. How do we, what, you know, if we can't detect it, what makes us even think it's there? And so he kind of goes into the things that we are able to observe and how what they don't, what they do don't make sense. But if we just change this one number over here, it all makes sense. But changing that number means like 60% of the universe is unobservable to us. <laughs> did he accidentally end up proving God exists during this? No, he did like, not. Like, uh, well, we don't know what's there. We're, we're, we're guessing. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, God exists. But, uh, you know, so so that, that was two of them. Uh, the other ones that were interesting for me, he talked about cold fusion, which, you know, being in the state of Utah, that's always a, a fascinating topic to bring up around here because there were two scientists from the University of Utah who famously had their careers pretty much ruined by saying they had created cold fusion and it was debunked and there was all this this stuff in the press what no one is telling us is other people have replicated this experiment really they they, they don't know why like they cannot explain and they're like well you know calling it cold fusion if you go back and look at the the paper that these guys wrote they didn't say they'd created cold fusion what they said is you know, we did this particular experiment, X, Y, and Z, and we came up with a result that doesn't make sense. And it was the University of Utah who jumped on that and said, oh, hey, that's cold fusion. We're going to tell the world we've created cold fusion. Fantastic. And completely destroyed the careers of these two scientists, which is you know, terribly unfortunate for them. But th- this is a, an experiment that we can replicate, but not 100% of the time. This is a, if I remember right, I think he said like 60% of the time when we tried the experiment – we get back more energy than we put in, which just doesn't add up. <laughs> 60% of the time, they're 100% right. Uh, you know, then the uh, the other ones, the, so the ones he kind of ended the book on, I thought was, was the most interesting, which was uh, life, death, and sexual reproduction. And, and he went into, like, the, the you know, what is the concept of life and what makes a living thing from a physicist point of view, you know, without you take out anything supernatural, you take out any kind of faith or religion or anything like that. What makes on a physical, on a physicist point of view, what makes a tree different from a rock? 
you know, and, and why does the tree grow, but the rock does not. Uh, and, and that we can't really explain what, when you look at the big bang, we try to explain everything with pure scientific foundational principles. We don't know why some things became alive and some things did not. What, what caused that? Uh, the death, you know, he talks about how they, they actually have been able to measure a physical change in bodies when they, when they expire and they don't, they can't explain what this thing is. You know, obviously people of faith would say, Oh, it's the soul leaving the body. But from a scientist perspective, it's kind of a dissatisfying explanation. We can't explain. It's the, the it's the dark matter <laughs> left them. Yeah. Okay. And then the last one that he talks about is sexual reproduction. And this was this was kind of interesting to me. I, now, I'm not going to try and present all the information he presented because I couldn't do it justice. Uh, but the the concept that he was explaining was if you look at certain things that reproduce asexually, you know, we, we kind of we were I think we're kind of taught or at least I was taught growing up in, in school. Well, sexual reproduction, the benefits of that is the way the the genes mix and mingle and, and you have this variance in the, in the gene pool. Uh, there are things that asexually reproduce that have managed to develop that same attribute. And so it, it's from a, from a scientist's point of view, it's not enough to say, well, it's because of this feature. Well, we've seen that feature happen without a, without sexual reproduction, with asexual reproduction. And so if you look at it from a strictly from a scientific point of view, the, the risks that sexual reproduction brings do not balance out the benefits that it brings. And so there must be some other reason, assuming that, you know, evolutionary theory is correct and we all evolve to be the best thing that we can be. There must be a reason why sexual reproduction continues to be a thing that happens and why we all haven't just become asexually reproducing amoeba. Hmm. Uh, Again, the book I found fascinating. Uh, you know, I, I listened to it on audiobook. I feel like maybe I might have gotten more out of it if I was reading because there were certain parts where I, I think he may have been glossing over actual formula or presentation of, of data that I would, I would didn't translate probably, well. Probably had some uh, um, uh, charts Tables, and graphs yeah. and et cetera. Uh, it, that does sound really fascinating. That's the sort of th reason... Or it sounds like the sort of thing that I would see on a Nova program, you know, that, you know, goes through and explain, dumbs down science yeah. enough for the, the listeners uh, to understand. Yeah, the analogy I was going to make is it felt like back when I was a kid and I would watch Carl Sagan's Cosmos, mm. you know, just that popularizing of very high science and taking it down to the common level and saying, you know, do, do you see how these things don't make sense? Can you know, I don't have to explain all of rocket science to you for you to understand things used to go this way and now they go that way and we don't know why. Mm. Uh, anyway, absolutely give this book a thumb up. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episodes five through six of Battlestar Galactica season four. We'll start with episode five, The Road Less Traveled. The Demetrius picks up a Leoban, which sparks a mutiny. Galen and Gaius become friends through some process, which makes absolutely no sense for either character arc. <laughs> uh, it makes sense for me. Um, this episode is... It's weird-ish. <laughs> weird. Yeah. Really, it, it is kind of weird. Um, so it starts off 
we have Starbuck, and she's gone from being a tyrant to acting like a junkie. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like the the way she was acting nervously and like she maybe hearing voices and she was scratching at her wrists. Yeah, I just screamed junkie. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote uh, ghosts don't itch. Okay, she's not a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> right, because all of the other physical things, ghosts totally do those. They totally do that, but they don't itch. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll come back to Ghost by the end of the episode. <laughs> so Gaius um, is sitting at court, uh, pontificating upon his gospel and doctrines, um, and it, this is getting piped out to He's broadcasting all of this everyone. So I, I don't understand. Whatever it's happening, <laughs> I guess there's some way that he's able to do that from Galactica. And Galactica and the president is not shutting it down. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, fine. Um, the gods cannot be blamed, not because they were not listening, but because they were not real. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. I, I thought that was an interesting line. Yeah, I mean, he really, I mean, he's setting up this theology around the one true God. Um, and uh, it, it's it's interesting. It's unique. It gives some insight into how a religion might have just how it might have formed. Because if you think about it, you know, Judaism um, and with the advent of, of Christ uh, or Jesus coming along. And, you know, this is kind of along the same vein. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even uh, um, our particular religion, you know, you would have had, you know, someone sitting around sharing the doctrine and, and beliefs to everyone and then they would then take it out to yep. all of the rest and uh interesting i thought it was interesting also that uh, apparently galen's son really likes to hear gaius's <laughs> <laughs> screeds i don't know what what do you call them lectures <laughs> lectures <laughs> lectures uh one might even call them lectures on faith lectures um. on faith um so question why is everyone so worried about Starbuck flying? So at the beginning of the episode, is it just because she's acting like a junkie? I I don't know, <laughs> but everyone as soon as like Starbuck has her flight gear on, she's like, "Oh my gosh, Starbuck! I, she I can't get fly. She, out of we've that. been flying around here for a week now. She hasn't been in a bird." I, I got more like frustration oh she's not now she's not only is she not doing her job as the captain now she's going to escape off into her own viper where yeah i i guess i read that differently in that uh you know everyone was saying wow she, I, I can't believe she's gonna get into a a, a viper which to me seems silly since how long was she down on the planet and then all of a sudden she's able to fly a viper then if she's able to have you know all whatever maybe a year's worth of time on a planet not flying and pick it back up again feel like she could make take a couple of weeks off and then get back in the <laughs> just fine um anyway so she's gonna head off along the way as she's out there something comes flying through and it is a heavily damaged uh silent raider uh, heavy raider it's the kind that has it's yeah. the beefier kind inside is a Leoban. And so he contacts her um, almost as though he knew it was her yep. who was there. And he says, hey, I, I'm here to offer a truce. 
you know, we w- let's get together and let's both uh, find a way to uh, to Earth. Um, uh, he indicates as uh, it continues on, um, your journey can finally begin. You know, now that we're here, I need to get you to the hybrid. The hybrid is you need to talk to the hybrid. Yeah, he he had another interesting line. God has purged you of doubt. The others are not far behind, and they need your help. Mm. Um, very like mysterious how he manages to show up just the right time in the exact part of space, and almost as though he knew it was her who was out there. I actually, he did. He, I see your point on that. I hadn't caught on to that, but you're right. He was talking immediately to Kareth Race. Yep. Uh, but you know that easily could have just been he scanned her ship and saw the call sign, you know the the transponder signal. Maybe. So, anyway, uh, the the more interesting part to me was that it seemed like Kara knew to be there at that point. She's saying, "Come on, I know it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to like she knew she didn't know what, but she had this sense that something was about the shoe was about to drop here." Yeah, and uh, we might as well call that faith because of, you know, it's like, hey, sure. I can't explain it, but this is what I feel, and that's so I'm going to act upon this, and so her faith was, was rewarded, even though faith is the name of the next episode. <laughs> um, okay, so jump to Tyrrell and Tori uh, sitting there in the flight tube. This conversation was bizarre. I don't know. I, I think it's trying to indicate kind of the... Tyrrell is still messed up. I mean, if we remember from the previous episode, he was yelling at uh, Commander uh, or Admiral Adama, and you know, Adama, you know, basically, you know, takes him down a peg. You know, he is not in a good place. He's still not there. He doesn't understand. He's now there in this tube where his wife had died, and I guess trying to come to grips with what happened or trying to understand why it happened. But you know, Tori then shows up as well and just kind of like, if I'm Tori, the last place I want to show up at is the place where I help flush somebody out of an airlock. I see your point, but I, I look it's like the scene as, of the crime. Yes. Like the, you don't go back to the scene of the crime, but, but they all do Pete. They always do. Like in the real world, I never did. People are <laughs> good one. Thank nice. you. Uh, people for some reason people are weirdly drawn back to the scene of their own crime. Like I, I don't know the number, but it's an. I've heard it before that there's an obscenely high percentage of criminals that are caught revisiting the scene of the crime, and somebody goes, "Oh, hey, it was that guy right there." <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, she, I, I don't think she helps. It probably just continues to muddy the waters for, for Tyrrell. Um, uh, I don't even remember what they talk about really. We have, we go back over to, uh, the Demetrius and, uh, Leoban and Starbucks sure are cozy <laughs> because before this she ordered he, the Marines to take Leoban into her quarters and take his cuffs off. Yeah. And nobody else was allowed in, which I got a problem with that. <laughs> that seems like, okay, that's a red flag. What What's happening here? You know, our commanding officer cannot be left alone with the enemy. Uh, oh, by the way, the enemy that uh, kept her locked away, you For know, a year. 
it just seems so weird that uh, that everyone was like, oh, okay, sure, that's where... And I guess maybe Hilo didn't know. Because once Hilo shows up and he's like... Or no, sorry, it was... Uh, Anders. Hilo did know. It was Anders who barged himself in. Right. And Hilo followed after. And then all of a sudden we have some gumption and, you know, we, we lock uh, Leoben up. But as they come in, we can see that Leoben is helping Starbuck with this painting of hers. Yeah. Uh, and she seems to me as though she was lost in some sort of trance. Just, she wasn't there mentally. Yeah, it almost what seemed like a on. kind of a weird religious ritual that was going on. Yeah, yeah I, I, sure. I, 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 maybe I shouldn't even put the word weird in there because everyone else's religion is weird <laughs> to everybody. Just some kind of religious, pseudo religious yeah. ritual. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd put ritual, but I definitely apply religion to that for sure. Mystic, there, it's, it's just yeah. weird. It's like it's not the normal way of things happening. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so how much do you think Anders' willingness to barge in on this scene has to do with the fact that he's one of the final five and he's worried about what Leoben might be telling her? You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a a really reasonable thing. Also, Leoben or uh, Anders knows what Leoben did to Starbucks. Right. He's so fully that, aware that, of that's that. Why, so. That's why I was saying, how much do you think? Because like I could see him barging in for both reasons. But the most of the next episode and pieces of this, I felt were trying to push the audience into the look at Anders with suspicion kind of mode. Yeah, Anders definitely acts weird. We we certainly do see it a couple of times. Um, I would think this is more on a husband level. Okay, that's me personally, but I totally see how it could be the other way around. It serves both purposes, though. Yeah. Thankfully for him, um, the first article of faith. That this is all. That this is not all that we are. Yeah. Um, as pretty good. That way cool. Um, and it makes it funny because you know we're gonna get a little bit of information about the apes. You know they they in the next episode they say how much they look up to Athena uh-huh. because she broke away from her programming, and it seems if that's really the first article of faith, it seems like. Everyone should be breaking out of their programming roles, right? Well, that's what I think. I mean, we should save this conversation for the next episode. Okay. Let's do that. Because I, I see your point, but I also think that they speak to that. Okay. Um, anyway, it's very, very cool. I enjoyed what they put in there. Um, so Leoben talks about the Cylon Civil War and that they can manage to find Earth together. Um and then Athena starts talking about mutiny. Doesn't say mutiny, but it's we're all starting to think, okay, this isn't right anymore. We we can't let Starbuck be in control. Um, it's not just wandering aimlessly around. It, it seems like she's really taking us down a bad path. Uh, we have Tori and Gaius uh, have uh, a love meeting. And I don't remember what the point of that was. Well, it doesn't Do you? It lead into uh, Terrell standing outside the one of one of Gaius's sure. That's meetings. right because they were doing that, and then right after that, they he goes uh, out and he's doing. Gaius is, is starting yeah. to to give his his next uh, sermon 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 on the 
Battlestar. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for something one syllable. Uh, well, well, it'll come to us. Um, yeah. Anyway, by, by the way, have you seen the movie um, Full Metal Jacket? No. All right. You probably won't understand this reference, but for the other people who are listening, if they have, Tyrrell looks amazingly like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character Private Pile in Full Metal Jacket. Shaved head, little heavy, overweight, just this crazy look in his <laughs> eye, like, you know, what's going to happen? Especially when, you know, we get to the scene where he is uh, uh, about to um, eat his own gun. Yeah. But before that happens, he shows up to this thing and Gaius tries to incorporate Tyrrell into this. And he says, hey, you know, I, you know, take my hand. You know, we we need to have forgiveness. I I I want it's what to. What your wife would have wanted. Yes, it gets to that phrase, and that was the wrong thing yeah. to say to yeah. Tyrrell at that moment because he flies off the handle. He's like, "You didn't know her," and he he lashes out and is choking Gaius. And you know, Gaius is like, "You know, it's okay. Just let him go. It's fine. You know, it's gonna have an effect later on." Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right after that, we see him. He's so distraught, and he he wants to just end it all. There was a quote, I think, make peace with your past, or maybe that was just something I wrote. Yeah, that's Leoben. Is that Leoben? Okay, he says you have to make peace with your past because that part of you is gone. Mm. I when I look at you, I see an angel. Right. I'm back to ghost again. I told you I would be by the time. Of the Make peace with your past because that part of you. And in context, I interpreted that as your physical body. Hmm. That part of you is gone. Okay. So, uh, again, I'm just at a loss. I yeah, And really what he's trying to do is he's trying to encourage her along this path that he wants her to take. I think he uses the phrase, uh, lead the people uh, along there because... He really feels as though she is this key to helping them get back to Earth, and she is going to be the one to to help lead them there. I, I was super disappointed in Hilo as her exo not stepping in at some point anywhere in here to say, hey, Starbuck, the things you're doing are leading people to start talking about mutiny. Maybe you'd better change your behavior. Yeah. I don't know. Like letting it go until the point where even when, he when felt it, he needed a mutiny. That's a good question. When is the hey we're pretty close to mutiny conversation? <laughs> like when is that ever like okay this isn't going to be awkward to bring this up right now? Like it seems like that is whenever you're having that conversation it's going to be tough and awkward. There's never going to be a good time to say certainly. Um, yeah. But the longer you let it go, uh-huh. the more difficult it becomes because you are starting to see those things right and so you as soon as you start to feel like you see an organization let's say going down that path in my opinion it's it's incumbent on you to step up to your boss and say, or your commanding officer or whatever and say hey listen i feel like this is going to head us down the wrong direction here's the danger that i see and then that makes further conversations easier you say yeah. you know i i i'm just saying I understand you're the commanding officer. You got to do what you got to do, man. But 
Do you remember when I warned you about this particular series of events? We've come down this far. Remember what I pointed out to you is the end result of this chain of events. Isn't there maybe something we can do now to stop this? Right. Because there is a perfectly reasonable solution to this whole issue, which yeah, oh, they'll I, get to in the next episode. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, with, a, with, a, with a level-headed commander... It seems like that would probably be an easy conversation to have. With Starbuck, it seems like she's going to fly off the handle regardless of when you, you say it. I think with the character okay. of okay. Starbuck. Um, and you're absolutely right with, with Hilo. It probably should have been something he could have said to help stave it off. Would it have really helped in the end? Maybe I, not. Probably not because of. But how I felt it would have been more honest is. to the character of Hilo. Sure. To have him do that, he was loyal to his commander until the very point where he's like, "No, can't do this anymore." So I, I, I can still be okay with uh, with Hilo. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disenfranchised <clears throat> or anything about him. Just saying, I, I look at the character of Hilo, and I think that he would have been more. Hey, you know what, Starbuck? I'm coming to you because. I'm confident in myself. You and I have a working relationship here. I'm your XO. I feel like somebody needs to say this to you. Okay. Starbucks orders them to go after the Cylons. They're going to go and find them. Um, Hilo uh, gets tough because one of the the crew start to act out. I was like, no way. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go do this. Punches him in the gut. Levels him. Like, it's hilarious to see because (laughs) the guy is small and Hilo is he's a good sized guy. Yeah. You know. I I guess maybe I just I laughed more than I should have at that particular <laughs> scene because it was so comical the difference between the two of them. Um okay. Gaius makes his way back to Tyrrell and he apologizes to him. And in speaking with him, he helps to heal Tyrrell a little bit. Helps Tyrrell get through whatever it is that's screwing him up to the point where he's just not angry. And he he extends his hand out. They 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 shake they take hands together. The the healingness of this event has has come through for him. I don't remember much about it other than it was Gaius helping to bring Tyrrell along. Helping a Cylon to recover. And this is a role that he's played before. Okay. Now that you say that, I can see how maybe it makes a little little bit of sense from Gaius's perspective. But I still feel like it just doesn't make sense to me to Tyrrell that that's what gets him through this is that conversation that they have. There was nothing in there that I'm like, there, there's that, that no- doesn't speak to who I believe Galen Terrell to be. Well, that that's the you know that's because you're not Galen Terrell. That's true. You know, everybody has that other different thing. I remember I, I I went through this breakup, and let's be honest, it really wasn't a breakup. You know, I was just pining after this woman, and you know she she had clearly chosen somebody else. Um, and I was at church one Sunday, and. This uh, in, in our congregation, the you know the the person who was giving the the talk um, was sharing whatever it was he was sharing. I have no memory of what that person said, 
And in reality, I think it had literally nothing to do with relationships amongst other people. But what happened in that meeting, to me, changed me, healed whatever it was inside me that was unhappy, uh, that was going through heartache and you know, pain or of you know whatever that feeling was. Um, I, I try and keep those feelings bottled up. Now. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't cry out loud. Don't let them out. <laughs> um, and it had zero to do with anything okay. that what might legitimately, you know, you would talk to somebody and say, Hey, you know, there's plenty of other fish out in the sea. You know, she was a terrible person. You don't, you don't want to be with her and nothing like that. It, it probably could have been a talk on, you know, tithing, uh, for all I can remember, but that moment, it was what I needed. Uh, I see your point. That's the best I got. I, I will I will remember when my daughter is pining over some boy that's left <laughs> her to talk to her about her tithing. <laughs> that's my takeaway. <laughs> well, if I I think so. If uh, if both the speaker and the hearer have have you know in our religion have come prepared and said you know hey Lord I need to have some understanding about a certain thing and the speaker is there and he's helping to bring the spirit in and you're seeking for that. The spirit doesn't have to speak to you on that given topic. Sure. It can speak to you on many, many different other ones. Uh, there's a little bit of Mormon theology for you. 101 <laughs> right there. The spirit speaks to us all. Um, okay. Let's see here. Last chance to change Starbucks mind. Um, because uh, uh, Athena says, look, you don't have to obey her order. You don't have to do this. This is our last chance here. And he's like, no, I don't have a choice. I've got to follow the order. And then his next move is... I'm not going to follow your order, <laughs> which seemed okay, fine. It took him right up to the very last minute to make yeah. that, that change, but he did. Um, and everybody else goes along with it. And they're like, nope, we're, not, we're done following you. Well, maybe not everyone else. Uh, yeah, we'll see in the next episode <laughs> for sure. Uh, but it, it was the mutiny is on. Yeah. And uh, that's the way the episode ends. Sounds like a good name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> um did you have anything that i uh i did not cover no okay let's uh do the email from listener m who says how long has the fleet been flying around aimlessly now perhaps the admiral or president Roslin needs to find a way to offer people some kind of shore leave all these crazy people need a vacation sci-fi six tv six uh, interesting question. Um, shore leave. Like we know we have people flying back and forth between the ships, but I would imagine we have to be pretty careful about the fuel that we're using up there. So we can't just, you know, willy nilly take people back and forth sure. because yeah. Yeah, we might run out and then we're stuck and we all just die in space. Um, but could there be something that, you know, maybe they could take a ship down and you know, land on some habitable. I figured they were all getting while. shore leave on that uh, the paradise ship. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> I wonder if that that one's gone now. Oh, is it gone? Remember, because it blew up. Oh, the little girl who was sitting there playing with yeah. the doll. Boom! <laughs> oh, no, bye, right. bye, little girl. That's where Gina was when she. <laughs> right, right, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's nothing but uh, uh, sewage treatment ships and the uh, Tilium crawlers that are left in the fleet now. That's uh, <laughs> I need a break from the sewage place because I'll go to the Tilium mines. <laughs> 
That just gets funnier the more I think about it. Um, anyway, th- uh, thank you very much, Mark. Let me. Uh, I should probably check and see if anybody has sent anything else in. Uh, go, go, gadget, internet. No. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Okay, Pete, science fiction rating. Uh, I agree with listener M. I give this a six. It's good. Um, maybe it should be more. Maybe because of the the Gaia stuff, I've you know I've ta- I've, I've kind of defended him and everything that happened with that subplot uh, to you. But I'm 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 just gonna say a six. I actually give it a seven. Okay. Uh, for television, I am gonna give this a six as well. There were plenty of things that are just eh, still good, still above average, but not that great. I felt there was too much goofiness in this. Like I said, I, I'm i just not sold on the, the Galen and Gaius connection there mm-hmm. that happens. I ended up giving it a four. Moving on to our next episode, Faith. Hybrids become coherent when their pool is filled with the blood of a Cylon. Ooh. Adama and Rosalind discuss mortality. Uh, love this episode. It's okay. I really enjoy this episode. Um, so you just like the hybrids. I do like the hybrids, but it's not necessarily because of the hybrids. Um, it's actually more the Rosalind stuff. Oh, really? That happens. I found the Rosalind stuff almost unbearable. Mm. Okay. So we begin where we left off in the previous episode (laughs) with a standoff. Um, and all of a sudden guns are getting drawn all over the place and, um, they are talking like, Hey, what should we do about this? You know, we should let the fleet sort this out, you know, let them decide, let's just go back and then we can come back. And then Anders shoots Gaeta in the leg. In the knee, I think, wasn't nope. it? Like, oh, okay. It was, it was that the, high up the, on the, the leg calf. or that low on the leg. Um, and it's. This is a bad shot. Yes. Like you see the bone. It does some serious damage. Yeah. So one of the things that I always find hilarious, I mean as a kid I didn't notice, but as a you know, as an adult, you take a gunshot and in the movies and TV, it's like no big deal. Yeah. Like oh, it in and out, you know, it just goes always goes right through the fleshy stuff. This shot hits the bone like it's a boom and it collapses the leg and yes it was a very disturbing scene i mean they only show it for fractions of a second but it's enough to to get the point across i thought it was more disturbing to watch starbuck like pull the wound apart so she can pour the blood thickener stuff in it uh i thought she was opening up she opens the pants and then she actually puts her hands down inside the wound and kind of goes must not like have been that. looking that close at uh, at that. That, um, that kind of made me go, ugh. And I'm not normally one to get very squeamish. The uh, the funniest um, show that I ever saw, and this is, is meant to be a real solid action movie, uh, had Samuel L. Jackson and Gina Davis in it. I don't remember what the name of it is. The Long Kiss Goodbye. Could be that. He gets shot. So many times in this movie, and he just keeps, keeps going. going. Yep. The, nothing slows this guy down. It, you know, at the end, he's, you know, he's limping along, and he's he's covered in blood, but no, he's just fine. It, it missed all of his vital organs. <laughs> it's just so silly uh, when when people get shot, and it's like, oh, uh, uh, no, it's bad. People it are hurts. down. Um, I actually, I really like uh, Gaeta's 
acting job here the actor <laughs> he's like he's like what happened what's going on like i mean and, and that's that is i've seen people shot and that is very i mean your brain goes into full-on lizard mode it, it is not coherent by any means we call that shock everyone shock <laughs> Uh, so Starbuck, um, you know, they, they're all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we can set this decision aside for a minute. Yep. Um, let's take care of Kata. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're all standing around. Oh, oh hey, clarity. <laughs> oh, right. That's right. There is another choice here. Yeah. Um, looks like we don't all have to go. We can just send one of us to go. And so the decision is made that, uh, Starbuck, Anders, Athena, Leoban and uh, Berlay, I think is what her name is. Yeah, I, I didn't quite catch your name. It's, I, it's said at the end. Yeah. Um, anyway, she's a. As they're getting ready to go, she shows up. And she's like, "No, no, no, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, I fully trust you, Starbuck. You've been kicking butt the whole time, so yeah. I, I'm behind you." Um. Anyway, they're gonna travel to the base ship, um, and then they're gonna come back after a certain amount of time and. You know, what? whatever happens, happens. Yeah, they say they're going to wait. He's like, 15 hours and 7 minutes is the absolute maximum we can wait. And then, ridiculously, Hilo says, okay, we're going to wait 15 hours and 7 minutes. I'm like, man, give yourself some room. Tell her 14 hours. <laughs> sure, yeah. Give yourself some room for things to go wrong. Don't plan yeah, things it, down to the wire like it, that. It makes it, uh, I agree, you're right, but it makes it more dramatic I, for I television understand. because then once you get to the one hour mark, it's like, oh gosh, well, we've got to go. Like, there's no, like, real, like, oh my gosh, uh. I'm just saying practical advice for real people in the real world. <laughs> Maybe give yourself a little leeway on these kind of things. <laughs> Don't always cut everything right down to the wire. When those real world issues happen to you, would you mind writing in and sharing with us uh, what they are? Because this, that's going to sound fascinating, whatever it is. Um, okay, so we have a bald Roslyn. <laughs> it's a terrible uh, skullcap thing going on there. Yeah, because it's bulky. Yeah. I mean, it's like you, you can't hide that hair. She's got a lot of hair. Uh, anyway, she is trusting in Tori here. Um, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm going to be down for a while." You're the worst gonna... possible time to be trusting Tori. <laughs> Crazy nut job Cylon. I have a quote: "God's plan is about to be revealed." Close quote. Um, and I want to say that that's Leoban talking. Yes, <laughs> it is because my note here after after him saying that, like everyone turns and looks at him in the Raptor. And my note was, someone should just turn, maybe Anders or someone, should just turn to Leo and say, man, just stop being so creepy all the time. <laughs> uh, so they make it to the Cylon Death Yard, uh, where all of the, the ships have been destroyed. And um, the, it, uh, um, you know, it's just looking pretty bleak as they're kind of flying around looking for that other ship. Cuts back over to the Demetrius. And it is Gaeta talking to Hilo. Yeah. And Gaeta's, he's, you know, he's conscious now, but, you know, he's feeling the pain. It's like, no, we can't give you any more morphine. Sorry, pal. And he's like, don't let Coddle take my leg. I know the longer that we wait here, you know, I'm going to potentially lose my leg. 
but don't let Cottle do this. Indicating, let's get out of here. And Hilo's response to him, while you know, while Gata didn't actually say that, Hilo's response is, Gata, you know, I won't leave until the clock runs out. Yeah, yeah. Offering no, <laughs> no amount of comfort to this poor man, basically coldly saying, "Sorry, buddy, I'm waiting 15 hours." Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> you know, it, I always find that so ridiculous when they show this in TV shows, movie stuff. Don't let him take the leg. Don't let. What do you want me to do? Barge in there and say, "No, stop." Let him die. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the option, right? That's why they're cutting it off. Because it's become poison to you. <laughs> uh, okay, so we come, we jump back over to the uh, the death yard of Cylon ships, and we come around the corner, and we see that the comet that that uh, Starbuck Starbuck had been see that she saw in her vision was actually this Cylon ship. The planet is right there. The rings that she described. There is this, you know, uh, ship that's flying through it, and it looks like what a comet would look like. Yeah. So here's the thing: she's remembering the future. <laughs> don't know what that means. Sure. Why? 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 I mean, I don't see anything weird about that. We have lots of times within scriptural history where, you know, people have said, hey, this is what's going to happen in the future. I've had a vision about this particular thing. Yeah, but in her mind, she thought that she actually saw, saw that while things. she right. was that, that's traveling That's what's weird there. about it. That is what's weird about this, is that she thought these were... weird. It Weird, okay, may not, may not be the right word, but it changes the dynamic of the character of Starbuck because we all thought she was remembering something, and what she was really doing was foretelling. She was seeing the future. Okay, and and that changes i mean it doesn't help me any at all but it does at least tell us she's not just being emotionally disturbed there are fundamentally other things really going on here because it wasn't just hey you know i had this weird feeling i went out there and hey lo and behold there's a there's a cylon there waiting for us this is to me indisputable evidence that what kara has done is see the future Okay. We can't deny that, I don't think. Okay. Um, Athena. Oh, so a, a big explosion happens, yeah. and uh, she's knocked unconscious. They manage to make their way over to the Cylon base ship. Um, and we see Athena is talking to the other eights. Before you get there. Okay. I just wanted to say I love the organic airlocks. <laughs> oh, that was, that was, that was pretty cool. cool. Nice touch. Yeah. Um, so Athena meets them all and she showed all the eights that they can break their programming. They hold her in high esteem because of this. And she basically tells them off. She's like, what are you talking about? You, you people are terrible because you can't manage to choose a side yeah. and really gets after them and does the, I guess the chastening that they needed um, glad you went with that word because okay. I said look, I said we'd come back to this. So oh, okay. In in the previous episode, we were talking about this this <clears throat> quote from Leoben. What is the most basic article of faith that this is not all that we are? Mm -hmm. And clearly, Athena has managed to 
fully internalized that concept. That's why sure. she was able to break free of her programming. These other eights have not yet realized that. To, to, they haven't internalized it. And what she's doing, I think chastening is absolutely the right word. She is trying to help them in some way. I think there's a combination of things. So one way she's in on one level, she's trying to get them, hey, wake up, pick a side, fight for what you believe in. That's what I did. That's what made me this thing that you revere. And on the other hand, she also, she can't, I'm trying to think of the right way to, to phrase this. She ha- she had to, in order to do that, she had to close herself off to what Cylons are. That's That was her method of breaking free, was to say, you know what, because we see several times in this episode how Cylons are very much, they're, they're touchy, right? The physical contact, and remember back when you had a whole bunch of Cylons who thought they were going to die, and they knelt and they linked arms and they started praying? <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> I do now. <laughs> uh, the physical contact seems to be a very important thing for Cylons. And what we see here is that Athena doesn't like to be touched by other Cylons, especially by her own model. And we see that the the two sixes that have have it out, there's obviously physical intimacy is a thing for them. And so she had to, in a way, I think, kind of kill part of herself, the part of herself that longs for that contact in order to break out of this cycle of, you know, what the eights are. And, and so because because she had to kill that piece of herself, she now can't stand to be around that environment. She can't stand to be touched by them. She can't, you know, we see at the end of the episode, she can't reach out and give this other Cylon the touch she, that it's longing She's really for. become her own unique thing. Thing. Yeah. Because she is no longer what is defined as the, the Cylons because she rejects what uh, what they represent for sure um the uh the interesting thing is the fact that uh if we look back on the cavils they very much want to keep everybody doing the same type of thing they are because they really want to just control they want the power they want to manipulate and you know they're selfish in what they want to have done and by doing so they want to keep everybody there because the three deanna they got all boxed because they were trying to move beyond what they were and discussing things that was taboo and should not be discussed. Um, and Cavill couldn't handle that. So it's uh, it's interesting that that apparently is at the core of what Cylons are, yet no Cylons really ever want to talk about it. <laughs> so, But that's fine. Writers didn't really know what they were doing. They do now. Fine. Great. That's that's the Cylon belief. I'm fine with it. There, there's this interesting uh, dichotomy at play here between Athena's statement, which I I have a lot of empathy for, and and I and I agree with on many many levels. Of you pick your side and you stick. You don't cut and run when mm-hmm. things get ugly. Totally agree with that. But there's also this concept of be open to being wrong. You know. Yeah leave open the possibility that you made the wrong decision and you have to reevaluate, you know, because you maybe you didn't have all the information or, you know, you just were in a bad emotional state when you made that decision, whatever that, whatever the factors are. And there's this, it's this balancing act, like so many other things in our lives, right? There's this balancing act between sticking to my principles, 
but being open to the possibility that maybe I'm wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, so we have Rosalind and what I called the sad lady. <laughs> okay, are we supposed to know who that lady is? Oh, yeah. I, I, you won't because you didn't watch DS9, but that is uh, the person who played Kira Norris. Are we supposed to know who that character is? No. Okay, because like Rosalind acts like this is. I, I just felt like I was being dumped into the middle of a character arc of someone that I was supposed to know. No, okay. she was just some lady that Rosalind found in pain while she was getting her treatments, and so she started talking to her. Okay, had no idea who she was before that. Um. Anyway, that's the only note I have. Um. Uh. Slaving the FTL drives. Which I thought was fantastic, because I know that's for sure a real computer term. Yep. Um, and uh, sure, why not? That 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 can happen. Um, and then my next quote, Anders wants to touch the water. Not teach the water? Not teach the water. So uh, before we started, <laughs> I was having such a hard time trying to understand why I had written slapping the FTL drives, <laughs> and Anders wants to teach the water. <laughs> What in the world did I write here? Uh, yeah. Anyway, I th- I found it cute, not cute, interesting as he's like so drawn to this, you know, having this interface right there probably would have worked for him if he had yeah. touched it. But it seems like that would have instantly said like, whoa, all of the sidelines would have been like, what? How are you what doing is this that? Right, yeah. right now? Yeah. Um, too many questions to ask. Thankfully, he didn't, uh, and so he doesn't have to deal with that awkwardness. Um, six kills Barely. So one of the sixes, who apparently um, died, you know, several times or maybe a few times, at the hands of this particular person, can't handle it, and she ends up beating her. She must have, you know, had some sort of brain hemorrhage. Yeah, died. Everybody else is like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> and so Anders has, yeah, it was Anders yes, who had was. his gun pulled out and was prepared to shoot this six who had just killed his uh, um, other teammate. teammate. And everybody's like, no, 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 stop. You cannot do this. I know this is so terrible what she just did, but you know, we need to speak to the hybrid. Don't do this. This is going to jeopardize everything. And the other six comes along and she gives the speech about what I don't remember or no, she talks to, I thought we talked through this. We, we, we worked through this issue. You've been healed. What? Blah, blah, blah. Nope. I really haven't. She kisses her and then she just reaches up coldly. Boom. Pulls that trigger. A six kills another six and okay. Problem solved. We killed one of yours. We killed one of ours. We're all even here. Is that enough human justice for you? Blood for blood? <laughs> that was an awesome scene. It was. It was just, I, I wrote, wow, in uh, big capital letters there after that happened. Um, okay, back to Rosalind and the sad lady. She says, quote, it's going to get a lot worse. Prepare for that. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. I swear, when when Rosalind and the old lady are talking, if you listen to... Gaius Baltar in the background. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's reading Hamlet. <laughs> I don't think he's reading. I'm pretty Hamlet. sure he's no reading. No way Hamlet. they would have done that. Go back and listen. I don't know Hamlet. Oh well. <laughs> what? 
I don't know Shakespeare. Are you kidding me? I tried my best to avoid that through high school. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe somebody else can, can confirm or deny, but I'm pretty certain I heard Hamlet. Why would he have been reading Hamlet? Everyone who was listening sense. would have been, you know, maybe he was doing like, like a one man show. In the world? <laughs> <laughs> reading Hamlet. Uh, anyway, I like this actress. Uh, I think she does a good job of portraying uh, a dying woman here. And uh, it's Rosalind and her are starting to have this connection. You know, they're both going through similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, she's further down the road. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I'm not even sure if it's cancer that she has, but she's got something she's dying and they are talking about death and you know what happens and Rosalind shares her particular, um, feelings regarding her mother's death. Her mother was this deeply religious person and, you know, said, Hey, Athena is going to come and take me away. And, you know, it's going to be this wonderful, peaceful experience. And Rosalind's like, it wasn't. I was there. I was caring for her. She, I was having to change her diapers because she couldn't do it for herself anymore. And when she finally went, it was not a peaceful experience. It was painful. It was, uh, I don't remember if she said violent, but she said like a black sucking void or something like that. <laughs> anyway. This lady comes back and says, yeah, but that's your point of view. Yeah. You don't know what your mother was feeling. As a matter of fact, I think I wrote that quote down there. You couldn't know what she saw because Rosalind's like, there was no Athena. There was no one, you know, beautiful fields. There was no nothing that came and took her away. It was just, she was gone and you couldn't possibly have known what she saw and what she felt and dealt with. Um, the, uh, let's see here. I want to continue on with that. Um, because eventually Kira dies, which I'm just going to call her Kira. And we see this vision of Kira's on the boat. She's taking the boat. Her version of heaven. Yes. You know, and she's seeing her friends and family there on the other bank. And Rosalind's apparently a part of this. She's seeing it with her because Along the way, after she finally makes her way across, leaves the boat and is there on the other side, she then sees her mother. Rosalind sees her mother, yeah. Who is, you know, perfectly happy. Um, Also, by the way, played by um, uh, ex-First Lady Barbara Bush. Really? No. Oh. (laughs) But it looks incredibly (laughs) like... When you said that, I thought that, you know, that's entirely possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... They, uh, they're just, the, the dream fades away. She wakes up, you hear the, she's now, right. The, the bed is empty. Um, but you hear Gaius Baltar talking and he's talking about a ship and a river and a river. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whether that was incorporated into whatever it was they were dealing with, or if this woman had died before and Rosalind had just fallen asleep there and all of whatever was going on made for what she experienced in this dream i don't know but that is she becomes sold she becomes convinced that there's something to what gaius is saying 
I wouldn't go that far. She goes to Adama and says, I think there's something to what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, okay, you might be right. <laughs> um, I, I don't think she literally believes what, you know, Gaius is, is pontificating about. Uh, but I think she has had an epiphany personally regarding whatever is the next step for her. Okay. Because she's not far from wherever it is Kira's taking, or right. at least if you listen to her, you know, she's going to die soon. Um, and yes, you're right. She does go into um, Adama's quarters. Uh, and they, you know, they're, you know, comforting each other. They're heartened. The, you know, they solidify their goal that, you know, they're going to find Earth together. It's interesting. I got out of that that they were kind of down around each other and disheartening one another. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Not even close. They were all together on that. Um, all right. So that's the Rosalind stuff. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um Let's so that you see. can just really get into the, the meat of the hybrid. <laughs> um, yeah, so all I wrote here is the hybrid babble. Uh, because they, they get to work on you know linking the two FTLs together so that the, the ships can jump away when it's time. But part of this is we have to essentially turn off the hybrid. Or we have to kill the hybrid. Yeah. This is the only way that this happens. They keep saying disconnect. <laughs> yes. Um. So... Starbuck is listening and listening and listening to all of this babble, which seems fairly meaningless. You know, she's repeating certain phrases. It doesn't seem coherent at all. And right as um, what I think is face hole um, uh, eight, she goes to unplug the hybrid. The hybrid freaks out in some weird way. There's there's no way that's face hole. I don't know. Face holes with cattle. Great. Okay. Good point. There is some eight. Yeah. The the eight that spoke to Athena. She goes to pull the plug. Hybrid freaks out into some weird high-pitched noise. The, uh, the Cylon toaster that is there, he's looking around, kind of freaking out, and, and then actually shoots that eight yeah. because... It seems like this is some sort of response to, you know, I've got to protect the hybrid here. Protect the hybrid, yeah. Kills it. And then everyone destroys the, the toaster. <laughs> yeah. Which, probably a good idea. That looked awfully easy compared to how hard they've been to kill at other points in the series. Yeah. One, th one of the things that isn't very clear is regular bullets don't do much. It's that extra round. So you have the handgun and then you have this other thing. Okay. That has a more powerful bullet in it. I don't know how in the world you can manage to carry more than one bullet in that thing, but <laughs> whatever. That is the thing. That's the type of round that manages to kill the, the toasters. Okay. It's not very clear, and I totally see why you would not pick up on that. So well, I, if that I, helps I, in I, any I, way. I picked up on that from earlier episodes. I just felt like the handguns that they were using looked like... Regular handguns without the extra little piece on the bottom. Nope, it was there. Okay, definitely there. Um, okay, so I, I, after I like this, that, the hybrid calms down. Before you get into that, I just want to say, uh, in her babble, she would always throw in this end of line. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, that's a great callback to Master Control Program from Tron. End of line. 
Well, it's it's not just that. I mean, Tron got it from some place in programming lore. I'm just saying the way she delivers it sounds very much like a callback <laughs> to master okay. control program. Okay. The the hybrid calms down and becomes lucid or what I'm going to call lucid and then gives this big kind of speech to Starbuck. Yeah. Giving her the this information that she needs. I tried to look up online to see um if I could find it. The dying leader will come to know the truth of the opera house. The three will bring you the five who come from the 13th. And you are the harbinger of death, Carathrace. You lead them all to their end. End yes. of life. Yes. So cool. <laughs> that is so awesome. Because it's, you know, we get that little carry back to, I'm glad we, I'm so glad we did the Razor last yeah, week yeah, now. The, the, I, like, as soon as I saw that, I thought, that's why Pete was pushing to do Razor this week. No, I did not remember. Okay. I did not remember. This is just, I got lucky. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's like, oh, well, retcon this. Uh, no. Um, it is so cool to see that, you know, this is confirmed by this new thing. This hybrid, wherever it came from, you know, maybe it was the land of hybrids. Um, and all of the prophecy, because we have this dying leader, which has been mentioned in the Scrolls of Pythia. Uh, we have a call back now to the Opera House. We can see that that's somehow important. We have these three who will bring us the five. I'm not sure who those three are. The five are clearly the final five. We know who the three is. Do you think... So that was in direct reference to Deanna? Yeah. You think that... Okay. Because... I don't know. I, I don't here, know. Here, here's why. What she said was, the three will bring you the five. Deanna knows who the final five are. Remember, she went up yep. and saw their faces. Mm -hmm. That's true. So it, it totally lines up, in my opinion. Sure. Um, and then the the whole harbinger of death. Well, the three thing and they who the five who come from the thirteenth. Who come from the thirteenth? Right. So you know it's posited by the characters in the show. The final five come from the thirteenth colony. So this leads me to a, a, a line of speculation that okay. the leap from toaster to organic hybrid was caused by the Cylons accidentally, accidentally finding the humans on Earth, the 13th colony. They found them in return for leaving them alone and wiping out of their databanks how they got to Earth, the humans agreed to give them this hybrid technology, bootstrapped them into the next generation of Cylon, Cylon life, and then sent them back out, made sure that all references to Earth, you know, where, how to get there was deleted from their databanks, sent them back over to the other side of the galaxy, and now that's why the Cylons are so desperate to get back to Earth because that 13th colony gave them one evolutionary step in their process to become more like their god. Maybe they can give us the next step. We have to find Earth. But Earth isn't the 13th colony. The 13th colony was Cobol. Right? No, Earth is the 13th colony. I don't think See, so. You, 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 had, you had, we you got had the 12 Cobol. tribes. Yeah. 
And they, and, they and got the 13th, back. they get to Koval and they find out, oh, there was the 13th tribe that went and l- went to Earth. That is absolutely what the mythology has been all along. Okay. Uh, I don't remember well enough, so I'm not going to argue against you. Um, still super cool. I love this about this. Shows like this that do this, I love. Just the prophecy piece or what? It's it's all stemmed in this, like, how how did you f- come to know this? How do you know this? What is it that's giving you this information? And gotcha. we're, we're left to not know. This is the one true God speaking through his servant, the hybrid. <laughs> um, or, what, you know, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, that is how the information comes. Um, the, uh, the final five can lead the way back to Earth. Uh, is another one of the things that uh, um, is said. So the countdown comes, ends. We're now going into negative time. He's like, okay, fine, jump away. Five, four, three, boom. Oh, here's the Cylon ship. And no, no, no. They actually got past one, down to zero, and when it was starting to, they like they are already late for the worst last possible second. They've already missed the 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 meetup. As oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the clock, yes. That's I, that's why I said it got down to zero and it was, started going into negative time. But then oh, he's like, "Okay, go ahead and spool I, up the okay. FPL and then count down five, four, three, and then the Cylon ship shows up." So when you said negative time, I was thinking <clears throat> counting down. I was like, "No, it actually then starts counting up." Yeah, long past zero they waited. Uh, and so boom, they're there. Everything's safe. Now we're gonna go and we're gonna head back to Earth, or we're gonna head back to the, the rest of the fleet. Which, uh, I don't know if you know the name of the next episode or not. You probably don't. It's, guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> Leoben. That's <laughs> brilliant. I mean, because they're bringing the Cylons yeah. to the fleet, which seems like a really, really bad idea. Yeah. The, I can't imagine Adam is going to be pleased about this. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go and take a look at listener M's email. Uh, he says, you know what the fleet needs right about now? A map maker. That way Hilo could take the Demetrius back to the Admiral and report the situation. While Starbuck is planning the truce with the Cylon rebels. Then after resupplying, get back to uh, meet Starbuck and the Cylons. Seems reasonable, but it, it seems like there are several jumps that have to happen. So, you know, maybe... Uh, plus, it's not a bad idea to be a little bit of a buffer, so we don't give away where the whole fleet is, but I really like what Mark says. Yeah. Also, I had a hard time paying attention to Rosalind's story the first time I watched this episode. I immediately recognized Rosalind's cancer patient friend, but couldn't put my finger on exactly where or what the actress had done. Anyhow, we can only hope that the president is not setting up Tori to be her replacement. (laughs) (laughs) Sci-Fi 7 TV 7. Uh, Hope you both enjoy Thanksgiving and enjoy protesting with the unions at Walmart. (laughs) Is there a protest happening? I haven't heard about this. Because Walmart is opening on Thanksgiving. Um, and they've never done that before. I feel no, like that's is, something I feel like they've this done is a, before. I, 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 my understanding is that this is a new thing this year. They're going to be opening at like 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving night for mm. Black Friday. 
So just gray Thursday. <laughs> there you go. Charcoal Thursday night. <laughs> um, that's all the emails that we have. Uh, everybody, thanks for sending in your emails. Uh, Brainy, sorry if you did send something in and you know we were doing this too fast. I, I, I think we've already shown that we will read it next week. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Joey, science fiction. Uh, I gave this an eight. Uh, you know the the hybrid stuff. The the final for me evidence that Carathrace is remembering the future. That there is more something more mystical than crazy going on with her. Um, and the Rosalind. As much as I just rolled my eyes every time they cut back to the Rosalind story, uh, you know she she is coming to a point of belief system, you know, mm. a, a point of belief in her own faith. Uh, for that, I give it an eight. Um, I give this a nine, very close to giving this a 10 uh, for science fiction, because I really enjoy the mysticism that goes with this. Even though you say she's remembering the future, it seems like the, a really weird way <laughs> of, of saying that, but okay, whatever. Um, you know, that is way cool, and the hybrid on top of that, um, with you know, her her last, you know, you know, voice gives the this information that is needed, and then she's killed because they turn her off. Um, that's so cool. On top of that, all of the Rosalind stuff with you know understanding the religious. Um, difficulties that you know surround death and you know we really don't know what happens after you die is tough for people to handle and it's not, it, I thought that this show did a great job of explaining a few people's ways of understanding it or not understanding it but dealing with it but then you actually have this cool little vision that happens and Rosalind sees you know, this this woman go off and meet her family and also her mother. And that's just, I, I find that fascinating and it was delivered in exceptional ways. For television, I gave this a six. I, I think, like I said, the, the, the Rosalind storylines just really dragged this episode down for me. Um, the Rosalind episodes help make this more strong television, I think. I give this an eight. Um, the The rest is kind of weird sci-fi stuff with, you know, robots shooting each other, um, which the six killing the other six was, <laughs> that was so cool. Uh, but uh, I, I, yeah, eight. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.